0: And welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek. As always, I'm your host, Brandon. And here with me is uh, Scratchy Paul.
1: Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh my voice is wild today. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't I'm not under the weather. My voice is just a little bit groggily. So um, you know, you can get a little extra today, a little bit annoying voice, but uh uh let's get it. Let's go.
0: Yep, and we got normal Dan.
2: Yeah, I was about the same Paul with uh, Scratchy Paul, your nickname in high school.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how dirty that was. It's your, <laughs> it's your DJ <laughs> name. Scratchy, Scratchy Paul. Scratchy? Scratchy, Scratchy. Scratchy
0: Paul. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. As always, Twitter slash X at WWST underscore podcast. And uh, merch link is in the description of the episode. And uh, we do have a shout out today. uh Somebody on Twitter that's been hitting us up with a lot of good information about uh, just the stuff that we've covered, some of the things that we've missed and just some really good trivia so uh Coric the blue barbarian on Twitter I'm not going to do the the at because I don't know it's I think it's weird to like call people out directly like where they are searchable like that but I mean you could probably still find them like this either way yeah uh thanks for all of the uh the corrections and all the really good trivia uh, a lot of good like behind the scenes information and everything stuff that you know we didn't cover or that we got incorrect which is, it's it's a lot. <laughs> that that <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. We'll well, it's funny too, though, because like it's one of those, some of it's like one of those things where, there's something that I want to say sometimes, and then I just get into the conversation and I forget to bring it up. And then people are like, Oh, like, did you know like this? Like, uh, I figured you would have talked about this. And it's like, I did, but then I completely forgot to say it. <laughs> like, oh, I just, okay. like, we got on like uh, on track on something else. And it's just like, Yeah, I, I knew that. I just forgot to say anything about it. And then, like, even yeah, I'll be I going through know. editing, I'm like, Didn't I say that? No, I didn't say that.
1: In this episode, I didn't look any X ray of the background trivia this time. So I have no idea. I might notice something as we're going along. So.
0: Yeah, so maybe we'll get some some good trivia for this one. Uh, But this one is Season 2, Episode 22, by any other name. The original air date for this is February 23rd, 1968. And we start out with the Enterprise orbiting a planet, and Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and two other people, one that I guessed correctly is a yeoman and a security team member, they beam down to this planet. It's a really nice-looking planet. It it is. Honestly. like Actually, one of the
2: better-looking ones, just as livelihood-looking.
0: Yeah, this the reflection of the other planet or the moon or whatever has to be part of the remaster. There's no way that, that was in the original and looked like that. But other than that, like the the rest of the planet actually still does look really good. I thought it looked very fake to me. The yes, first thing it I does. Noticed, like, I noticed like this is a really
1: bad stage. Like it just looks really, really fake. Like no, a lot of times on this, like you can tell they're using like actual areas. This one looks so fake. I was like, oh, you can tell this is a stage. Yeah, because normally, normally they have a good idea of, uh, they have a good way of using things, practicality. So I thought it was a very, it looked very staged to me.
2: It looked fake, but it was kind of a nice change up compared to what, you know, Earth looks like. Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, th- I th- I th- <clears throat> excuse my language. I think it looked good. I just think it looked very fake.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, like but, you said, it's clearly a stage.
1: Yeah, so like, yeah, normally, yeah, normally it's like, they, I like when they use actual locations a lot because I think I, f- I like it a lot better. I'm not sure why it is. But I just yeah, look very fake. But I just you know, uh,
0: I'm it, actually kind of on the fence about that, because when they do film like on location, the lighting is always weird because obviously they can't like tone down the sun. Like the, the lighting is just kind of weird. The sound is a little bit weird. And like I like the production when they use the stage, but I do like the look of being in an actual place better. It, it, it would be funny if Spot just
2: looked at Kirk and like uh, Captain, I believe we are in a trap because this is clearly a stage
0: Yeah, someone set this up for us. (laughs) What are we, like, some some kind of play or something? (laughs) Yeah, what's going on here? A television show, and then they all just look at the camera. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, Spock is scanning for life form readings as McCoy explains that someone sent a distress call and that's why they're there. And Kirk notes that there is no sign of a ship or any debris. Spock picks up some readings of small metallic objects and he says that it's possible that whatever ship was there was destroyed in space and the survivors made it to the planet in a shuttlecraft. And the yeoman announces that she's getting readings of two human forms and Spock is like, yep, I got that too. And then uh, a man and a woman walk out from behind like some rocks and stuff and they approach the group and they walk right past the security guy who just lets them go with absolutely no quarrels. (laughs) He's just like, job. hey, strange, <laughs> strange people that could possibly be a danger to us. Please well, walk no, on by yeah. me towards my captain.
1: Well, I think what's weird was he didn't even enlarge in- in- in him either. No. Like, he was kind of a double, <laughs> yeah. like, ignoring each other. Like, um... And that's when I looked. i like, yo, these people are kind of yeah. wild. They're like, like we I didn't, don't know anything
0: him. about you, but you have the look about you of someone that we just don't need to concern ourselves with.
1: We <laughs> need to consider.
0: <laughs> yeah. you, you're ain't relevant to us. <laughs> he didn't say. He didn't say. Hold up. He didn't
1: say. What? He didn't say nothing. So, man, security is show so bad, guys. Like I, I said, every, every episode, security is trash. I, I, in the I, I beginning, I just. Hey, hold on, sir. Identify yourself. Like, we right to the captain. You just heard him. I just don't. At, get it. at
2: this point, why do they even have security? Right.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Seems like a waste of like, money all, at this point. The, like I said, we had our one security guard, the real awesome guy who fought. We got Besides that one guy, we've had one,
0: one highlight the whole two seasons. And he so, was so good that we so, never saw him again. they like, <laughs> like, you're too he, good you to
2: well, <laughs> get rid of you. <laughs> you're out of no, here, No, buddy. he
0: got promoted.
1: He, he got promoted. <laughs> promoted, he got promoted that
0: quick. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's like, oh, he's good. let promote him.
0: Yeah. McCurk. Uh, The diplomat that he is introduces himself uh, to the Alec Baldwin looking man. And uh, (laughs) the guy says that Kirk is now going to have to surrender his ship. And Kirk's like, well, you have a very strange sense of humor. And then the man and the woman, uh, they both press these buttons on a little device on their belts and everybody gets frozen in place. Did you guys notice that Kirk's eyes continue to move around? but Everyone else like nobody else does that. He had a very hard time staying still, it seemed
2: like.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think no. I think that was uh, supposed to be that way, because it's supposed to be like they're in control of the body, but the mind was still aware. So when I, when his eyes moved, I thought, oh, they froze him, but he can still see what oh, he's aware of was going on. But nobody else was. Everybody else's eyes.
0: Were,
1: yeah, I think I think everybody else messed up. I think he did it right mm. because because it, it gave the idea that he was out of control, like he was frozen and his body, and, but his eyes he was still aware of what was going on. Right.
0: But I just feel like, so why like, didn't they I, I, reshoot that and just let everybody else move theirs or tell him to cut it out?
1: <laughs> like, I think Kurt did it perfect because I immediately thought, oh, he's he's frozen, but he's still aware of what's going on. Everybody else looked like they were frozen in time. Right. I think Kurt's was the best one. By, 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 by far, I thought he did the best.
0: Yeah, it definitely conveyed uh, what was going on better. I just thought it was weird that they didn't yes. like reshoot it and ask it, the other people to do the same thing. <laughs> like... So that yeah. everybody, because like yeah, you can tell obviously he can't move his body, but you know like he still is is there. But yeah, it's exactly what you said. I just thought it was weird they didn't redo that. Uh, but the uh, the guy the, he introduces himself as Rojan of Kelva, and uh, throughout my entire all of, every time I was taking a note here, I because J is right next to H, so I just kept accidentally typing Rohan, and he's not Rohan. That's a completely (laughs) different (laughs) word. Rohan is not a man. (laughs) It is a place. But uh, yeah, Rojan of Kelva. And he says that he's he's the commander from now on, and any efforts to resist or escape are going to be severely punished. And he says that they're going to leave the galaxy forever pretty soon, and the humans must face the end of their existence as they've known it. And then we get the show opening from here. Yeah, right
2: right off the bat, I'm like, this villain seems very competent. Like he, he just comes in, he takes charge, no BS. Yeah. Like he he seems
0: like a legit threat. Has a sweet like bodysuit kind of thing? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I liked it. I like. I I was in from the beginning. I don't know why. I just thought it was a really cool concept. I immediately thought, God like being, I should be annoyed, but I wasn't. Yeah. Because I like it, it was like technology based in my head. So I was like, you know what? Technology-based, and I liked it immediately, so right, that was really
0: cool. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I did like, is that it was not, like, a god-like being. They were just more technologically ad- advanced. And we find out later that they're not even, like, human-like beings, but they're still not, you know, god-like.
1: Yeah, they really advanced, so I, I really
0: liked it. Uh, so, Rojan and his companion, which we learn way, way later, her name is Kalinda. And I they didn't give her a name through, like, more than half of the Yeah, episode, I was about to say, like, Kalinda. I just, like, oh, the hot chick. yeah. One of one of one <laughs> of several. Yeah, one of several hot <laughs> chicks in this episode. The Kelvins are good-looking people. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> the, yeah.
1: but that's a start. Like that's a Star Trek thing. We haven't really seen an unattractive person in this show yeah. yet. Let's be real here. They've all been very attractive. I thought that immediately. Right. I thought, oh, they got a supermodel. Yeah, I like, think we've covered
0: that. I'm Everybody in
2: space is is, is Yeah, yeah I, I, I yeah. can't you wait can't for space, space travel because it's going to be very
0: sexy in the future. Well, I will not be allowed. <laughs> that's, that's the only issue is okay. that I won't be allowed to go. I don't think I'm attractive enough for space travel. They're like, look, you I'm have the skills. That, uh, you can handle it physically. But goddamn, you you're, <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah, attractive. Yeah. You gotta stay
1: on ERs. I'm gonna assume, well, i can to imagine uh, the the old school Hollywood actresses though were kind of these like elegant creatures, you know, like I don't creature derogatory, yeah. but the creatures in general. <laughs> like, creatures. And like, you know, they were like, like a deer, were elegance woods. and like grace and whatever, and like um they were always like really beautiful people back then. That was the you know, to be a celebrity, you have to be a ten of ten. Yeah. Back then. You know, you couldn't be no regular person. So like, you know, I guess I just noticed that they were, like really beautiful people. So yeah. I appreciate it every time.
0: Oh yeah. Um Yeah, Rojan and Kalinda, they take the crew's weapons and communicators, which is like, hey, good on them. Like, they have a plan here. They're like, hey, you don't need those things. You're frozen. We're going to disarm you. And Rojan explains that the the crew is paralyzed by a selective field that neutralizes nerve impulses to the voluntary muscles. And he says that he can control them at will. And then he decides to release them. And immediately Spock is like, man, that's really cool technology that (laughs) you got right there. (laughs) 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 I'd like like, like to learn more about that. (laughs) i wrote
1: down spock is enjoying himself too much this episode <laughs> like like this this episode like it's like the one of the like coolest best episodes for spock ever because like he just oh this is cool that's cool that's cool like a like, little kid in the candy store like i, I like everything you know yeah. it's just i find it i find it you really know what cool. i'm
0: very surprised and pleased about is i thought that they were going to go the route where this whole paralyzed thing is going to be you know this huge thing and that because he's a Vulcan, and his physiology is different, then it's not going to affect him, and he's just pretending, but they yeah. didn't do it, and I'm so glad me they too. didn't do it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Spock is, yeah, he's really interested in this technology, and Rojan is just like, you know what, you're not a threat to me, I'm going to explain to you how it works. And he says that it radiates from a central projector, but uh, Kirk is just like, okay, I don't really care about that, what do you guys want? And Rojan says that he wants their ship, because it would serve him well in the long voyage that is to come. And Kirk's like, all right, like, where are we going? Like, I'm always down for a road trip. I just want to know where. And Rojan says that they're going to go to the Andromeda Galaxy. And Kirk's like, okay, why? It's <laughs> like, we're just really getting through all of the, uh, like, just everything. Exposition everything, really quick. Yeah, all the exposition is just where? And he says where? And he's like, why? And he says why? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Rojan says that that's, it's their home. It's where they came from. So Spock is like, okay, why are you here? <laughs> so, again, just just very, very direct. Rojan explains that high radiation levels within his galaxy will make life impossible there within ten millennia, and the Kelvin Empire sent ships to explore the galaxies to find one that they could conquer and occupy. So Kirk's like, I mean, this galaxy's already occupied. And Rojan explains that while Kirk thinks that they can't be captured and the ship can't be taken, uh, the capture has already begun. And didn't didn't Kirk hear the conquer part? Like, look, we conquer. Like, right? <laughs> we don't which care I thought if you're immediately occupied. was just like okay, so, like, your galaxy's having trouble, like, uh, apparently the entire galaxy is having trouble, so you're gonna go just conquer a whole new one? Like, it's not big enough that you can't just, like, move there? Right. Like you have to have the entire one?
1: No, uh, what's that, um, I swear there's another, um, Star Trek thing, like, the, the, tra- tra- maybe Star Trek or not? Like the, I think it's about the conquering, though. I think it's about, like, being in charge of a whole nother race or whatever. Just I, I like don't know, it. I just... Yeah. Yeah, I just, I I found them more like uh, in my head when like Genghis Khan in a way of like, you know, he's a conqueror. So like I thought they just, they go through and just conquer a race and I assume they take over that, that galaxy and then go to a new one and do the same thing. But it actually reminded me of the early edition of uh, the Borg in a way of like, you know, they just, they're conquerors. They go through and all they do is go through and and conquer things and move on and get bigger and bigger, larger, larger, larger. So like, um, I know I like, I like the concept of them actually. I hope they come back. Yeah. I like, I hope we, said hope we see the originals. Cause I actually like the idea of the of the Kelvin people themselves. So,
0: I, I, I really enjoyed it. Right. But for conquerors, I would have thought they would have been like better armed. Like I know that they have their devices, and that's a very strong device to be able to paralyze people. But I mean, you got to figure between their galaxy and ours, there has to be some race that's resistant to that, right? Right. Or, like has some way to stop that. I, Th- I They've already thought come they would up with like a better. technology mm-hmm. to like the make sure they can't be frozen. Yeah
1: i don't know maybe but once you see that first um <clears throat> when we get there when you see the first uh, person get turn the dust i'm yeah. like "Oh, wait a minute uh so uh what we see do now do what I, now? I, I yeah w- like i'll do whatever you say I, I was one- <laughs> whatever you say i sir. was
2: wondering the one big weakness of their their freeze device it seemed like you had to be looking at them for it to work because when they were yeah, capturing the exactly ship they how- made sure that everyone was looking at them before they froze them yeah
1: that was never. That was never said. Yeah, a, it, was, as it wasn't said,
2: but it was just something I observed. So maybe feel like you close yeah, your yeah, eyes and try to like daredevil it through. Maybe you'd be
1: all right.
0: <laughs> as long as you don't see it, you're fine. Yeah. Well, I, I assume
1: was didn't say brainwaves. I don't remember to Didn't say it, I, didn't it, I feel say it like was I a wave. Taken that
0: No, it was just some kind of wave from a machine. So like, I gotta wonder well, when, how uh, it it's doesn't a hit wave, them. Does, does like the device also shield them from the waves? I'm not sure.
1: I, th- I, th- I thought I said New rave. I thought I said it was the newer array. New rave, New rave, brainwave. Yeah. same difference, I assume. I feel like we're putting more so importance I'm in this that... than we need to.
0: <laughs> no, it matters. Look, this matters. It matters, man. So we go back to the ship. Chekhov announces that something from the planet is penetrating the ship. And Scotty increases the power to the shields. And then we go to the engine room. And uh, they're just in there doing some work. And a guy just appears out of nowhere. And he paralyzes the crew. And uh, he goes to a little control board, starts hitting buttons. You know, you know if, if there's this good
2: a instant transmission, why don't they just instant transmission back to their home planet?
0: Yeah, it's never explained how they do the teleport thing. That was the one thing I was curious about. Like, is that something that their race can just do? Is it a separate device? Like, how did he know that he wasn't going to teleport inside of a wall or something right there? Exactly. They just kind of pop around, do what they want. And then, but like, they're just stuck on this planet and they can't just, like, the ship is very far from the planet. Like I know orbit doesn't seem like it's far, but that's orbiting above a planet. You're not very close to it. And he's just like, okay, like I'm on the ground and now I'm up here. Now, Like if you can do it that far, how are you stuck on this planet? Exactly. But that. But then
1: again, but then again, from the ship to the, um to the planet, I know that's thousand thousands thousands of miles, but if, there, if there's not a planet within that, that far away, right. They have been stuck on this planet the whole time waiting for, uh, for somebody to come. Look, yeah, that could if, be. The,
2: distress look, signal. Look, if Goku can, Goku can do it, they can do it. Yeah,
1: these guys can uh, do it. You yeah. know, let's see. You got to Dragon Ball Z in this one.
0: Uh, so we go back to the bridge, and Chekhov announces that the power is dead. So they go to red alert. And then all over the ship, people are uh, just popping up and paralyzing the crew. So the same thing happens on the bridge. And then a man named Hanar calls Rojan to inform him that he, Andrea, and Tamar have captured the ship. And, uh, did you guys see when, uh, one of the guys was moving near, I think it was Hanar moved past her. She blinked. <laughs> like, I think she was supposed to be completely no. frozen and she blinked like, cause he just like moved moved too close to her. Apparently they don't mm. freeze their eyelids or their eyes, but it, I don't like,
1: see, I don't like how they're depicting the, fr- the froze the freezing part. Yeah. the are paralyzed because thing. Kirk did it so great. He was a little like, wobbly though. I, well, his eyes were moving, though. Yeah. He looked frozen, but the eyes moving, it, it conveys so much. It, it lets you know, hey, we're stuck here, but we're still aware. Yeah. Like, everybody's hey, frozen in time. Like, they're frozen, so they don't know what's going on. When Kurt moved his eyes, it, like, it really conveys, I'm frozen, and I'm aware. I think that was something they really missed on, an opportunity to be like, everybody
0: show everybody, that hey, we're here, but we can't really move. Right. I think Kurt did the best, so. Yeah. Uh, but Rojan, goes. Uh, he tells his people to go ahead and proceed with their orders, and Kirk tries to move towards him, but then he stops, because uh, his Rojan's com- uh, companion puts her finger on the little paralysis button, and Kirk's like, well, I don't want that again. Um, so he says that even at maximum warp, the ship wouldn't be able to get to the Andromeda galaxy for thousands of years. Rojan says that they're going to modify its engines to produce velocities far beyond the human science, and that the journey is going to take them less than 300 years, and Spock's like huh fascinating only <laughs> He's like cool years, huh He's like, I think I would be the only one alive at that point does he live that long I forget how long Vulcans live I feel like he would survive that I'll journey research our research that we're talking the yeoman uh, asks if they if the kelvins made the 300 year voyage and uh the kalinda says that uh their ships are multi-generational and that they were born in the intergalactic void and that they're gonna die there during their journey home so Rojan says that his missions are going to be completed by a commander that is his descendant. So basically, yeah, they're gonna—they don't live that long. They're gonna die on the ship, but their kids are gonna continue on with their mission.
2: True to the cause. What a bummer.
1: Yeah. I just... Well, I have a weird, like, random question. Like as we're going along, um, where are the kids at?
0: Right. Where are all like, the other people? We'll,
1: yeah, we're only seeing adults right now. Like, is this? Are they going to be the whole population? Are they going to re, 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 well, reproduce together? Like, just see few people, or are yeah. we, you know, we're going we to cross pattern? Are we going to? Are these the only like, people that survive? Does make more Jersey? kids?
2: Yeah, that's a good question because there's only a few of them. Like after they conquered the ship, they even admit like, hey, there's not enough of us to watch over all of you.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm assuming there's only about seven or eight of them or whatever. And I assume we can do. You know, mm-hmm. let's go. A chick gets pregnant and has a kid, maybe she had twins. I mean, I, I, do, I didn't do the math in my head, but I think it's legit a whole lot just of people. The,
0: the four of them are the only ones. I don't think there's like seven or eight, I think it's just the four of them. No, I think there's five. I there's saw, the, I saw there's Drea, the, the one that gets drunk
2: later. Drea, that's the fe- There's uh, the other girl, the well, the, well,
1: the guys don't matter much at the female, oh, yeah, five, yeah, five, like the females matter more because we got Drea. The girls, the uh, lady in engineering. We got the blonde, uh, Kurtz, uh, yeah, love Kalinda, lady, yeah. the blonde yeah, lady. Yeah, there's
0: five. And, Hanar, and I'm, Tamar, and Hanar. going to assume Rogan.
1: eventually they're going to? Well, in my eyes, I just assumed they would take the women of the ship maybe and make them have kids. I
0: mean, I hate to say it like, yeah, it's like kind of that. I, I, it ever, I don't know, I just like. Until later when we like, realized that. There are no more women on the ship because <laughs> <'cause> we, we <laughs> well, really just, put that we know, crew down.
1: Well, but remember, they only turn them into cubes, though. Right. So, like, do they separ- Like, are we, like, turning them into cubes and separating them from men the female, like, separating them differently and, like, going to make these women have our kids? Like, I don't get – Like, I get the – like, because as conquerors, I-, I go left. As a conqueror, I figure that's what I would do conquering-wise. I got to make them all have Calvin kids. Right. And then we figure out the Calvin people aren't even, like, human in the first place. They're just take right, yeah, That's what
0: I was gonna say. Yeah. Can they even? So I'm thinking, like, even?
1: can they even we reproduce that way? Well, yeah. I don't even know how to reproduce. We don't, Cause we haven't,
0: we haven't seen an actual Calvin being. Yeah. So wow. I, like, I'm I'm curious how this all works. I don't partake in this. But there's in a this. certain type of porn out there that'll tell you that they they will reproduce <laughs> <as> humans, <laughs> the old tentacle monsters. <laughs> not my I'm thing, just, but you I'm know you like what awesome you like. Random
1: questions, dude. I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, I'm that, just that, curious that, that's, that's to know a
0: what,
2: Japanese Star Trek.
0: Yeah. I'm just curious to know one one of those people in twenty sided, uh thing, twenty sided object. What do you think that tastes like? If he was to bite into that, probably pretty bad because it seems pretty <laughs> dusty. But I don't know. Oh, I don't. I don't even know. Maybe Either heavy way, iron. That just... does. <laughs> yes, very heavy and iron. Uh, let's get back to the show. Uh, oh my gosh. Kirk asks the Rojan what happened to their ship, and Rojan explains that there's an energy barrier at the edge of the galaxy and they managed to break through it, but their ship was destroyed and they barely managed to escape in a life craft. But uh, now they have the means to return to the Andromeda galaxy via the enterprise. And uh, we've actually seen this uh, edge of the galaxy barrier before it is the barrier from uh, the first episode of of the entire series where no man has gone before that's the barrier that created Gary Mitchell.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Oh, okay. I, I thought we'd been there before. Like, the opening of the whole series, I think, was them looking at this exact barrier. Like, say so they kept the color the same and everything, and that's the shock that gave Gary Mitchell his power. Actually, I believe there's another callback a little bit later on in the episode from a previous episode. I may
2: have missed there, it. If we get there, be you'll callbacks. have to tell
0: me. But, yeah, it's a that's a good callback. For like the end of season two, to because even Kirk is—he's like, yeah, we've like we've been there before, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I had to bury my friend. did we didn't we get there before. Rock. Didn't
1: we lose power or something last time we got there, and our ship died. It, it or got something? like
0: shocked. So there's something, there was like it got like shocked by something, like threw them around, and then that's when Gary Mitchell and yeah. the other uh, woman started to get their power. So his eyes went all like silver. I remember. Um, but Spock asks why they would use the Enterprise and not just send a message to Andromeda instead, and Rojan explains that no transmission can benet- pen- penetrate the barrier. So Kirk asks them, or he says, that there's no reason to do it by force, and he offers to take the problem to the Federation to see if they can find a suitable planet for the Kelvins to colonize, and Rojan's like, hey, we don't colonize, we conquer and we rule, and there's no other way for us. So McCoy is just like, oh, then uh, I guess that the galaxy isn't big enough for the both of us, then. He... Yeah, Bones, is like uh, we do the same thing. So you want to fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Uh, and also have fun with the another uh, uh, Vulcans, the, the Klingons. Like have fun conquering them. Like they love this kind of thing. Uh, but Kirk notes that the Federation has handled foreign invasions before. But Rojan explains that they can control the Federation as easily as they've controlled Kirk's crew. And he says that the fate of the inferior galaxy. Or it it is the fate of the Inferior Galaxy, or in any galaxy. So Hanar teleports down to the group to tell Rojan that everything is going as planned, and Rojan turns to Kalinda and tells her to take the crew to the holding area, which I don't know why they have a holding area on the planet, but they do have one. And he explains to Kirk that he's going to keep them on the planet because the ship's crew are going to be more cooperative if they understand that Kirk and the others are being held hostage. So Kalinda's like, all right, move. And we, uh, they just, they move. <laughs> so we go a little bit later and, uh, Hanar and Rojan are having a little discussion where Hanar is telling him that the modifications to the ship are underway. And Rojan talks about how he doesn't think that they'd have been able to keep their sanity if they had to live on this planet much longer. And Har- Hanar's just kind of like, uh, yeah, the environment is pretty undisciplined and it can't be controlled. But honestly, there's some things here that I find pretty interesting. And Rojan's just like, I think it's disturbing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He talks about the heightened senses of the shells that they've encased themselves in, so the the bodies that they have. And he wonders how humans manage to exist in the fragile cases. And I'm gonna tell you what, it's pretty hard, dude. <laughs> it's it's not easy. You literally bump something and you can it's, die.
1: It's actually pretty interesting because um like this um this little scene right here, I think it's very put together very well because it like it's very rarely do you see the bad guys just talk. Yeah. Like they're talking to each other, and you're like, you get a gist of and then, because later on the callback, when um they talk about the feelings being something to them, this this is the way you learn. Like, oh, they're not even human. They don't even understand. I step a feel, touch, and smell. It's all new to them. And they bring it back later on, when like, when when a spot notes it. Right. It's like, oh yeah, they, it's all new to them. And then like it becomes part of the whole story in a way. And um, it's very rare to get to like that one like like um excuse me. Like five sentences they were saying to each other really was really intelligent and brought like a lot of uh like full circle of the whole episode yeah in a way yep. and I thought it was very cleverly written and done and plus it's really cool to see people talking to each other that aren't just just the, the crew yeah
0: how often do we get a scene that doesn't have a member of the crew in it like do we ever really not really not, not it's super rare yeah it's super rare that's why I really noticed it right. Um Hanar points out that they don't really have a choice, that so they have to stay in the shells because the ship was designed to sustain those, and Rojan says that he's glad he's gonna be away from the openness of the planet soon and he's gonna be back to being within the comforting closeness of the walls. And we go elsewhere and Spock is checking out the bars of the door to their cell, which is like built into this cave, and he says that he doubts that they that even phaser fire would be able to destroy the bars. And the yeoman wonders what Rojan and his people could want from them. And Kirk is like, Well, that's a very good question. It's like, guys, we we literally went through this. You know what they want. They want your ship. You know why? Because they <laughs> want to go home? Like, this is where they, they, the they writing sometimes well. gets annoying. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the writing gets annoying for me sometimes in the show. Because it's like, what do they want? You were you were there. You know exactly what they want. They were very clear about they told it. You what they they, want. She was yeah, out. You, yeah, you were very upfront in asking why. They were very upfront in telling you why. Like you know what they want. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and he, they want the ship, and they want to go home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, come <laughs> on, lady, <laughs> get it together. Uh, but McCoy notes that the Kelvins are registered as humans, and Spock says that they're registered as perfect human life forms. And he says that their readings were almost classic textbook textbook responses. So Kirk asks what the odds are of such absolute duplication of life forms in another galaxy, and Spock says that the odds are against it. But guys like you run into human-like people all the time. Yeah, this shouldn't be shocking. So so either. I feel like there would <laughs> yeah. be in other galaxies probably pretty much. Yeah, but I, with think,
1: that. I thought he said co- like genetic uh, j- copy though. Is that what he said, or did he say? Um, or did he say another life form exactly the same way?
0: Uh, he just said ab- absolute duplication of life forms. So basically, like okay. basically perfect copies. But, I mean, okay. again, they run into that all the time. <laughs> like every every race is just humans in different clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kalinda then comes to the cell door, and uh, they kind of move away to talk a little bit quieter, and the security member notes that even if they're perfect, they don't, there don't seem to be very many of them. And he starts to propose a plan, but Kirk is like, hey, they have the paralysis field, remember? And the guy's just like, dang, I forgot about that. So, uh. Kirk then uh, recalls Rojan mentioning a central projector, and McCoy wonders if maybe they could destroy that somehow. And Spock reminds them that they don't even know what the projector looks like. So Kirk thinks that the devices on their belts might indicate the source of the force field. And Spock's like, well, that's possible, but I would need to get my hands on one to be able to take a look at it. And then the guard, uh, the security guard, who now we know his name is Shay, says that he'll get one even if he has to rip a Kelvin apart to get it. And Kirk's like... Okay, first of all, calm down. Like you're gonna get your chance, <laughs> but it'll be under my orders. He, he's ready to go. Yeah, he's like, look, I like you. Like <laughs> you're. We,
1: we we finally got uh, security guard that want that, that bought that about that life. But earlier he yeah he, he to up right past yeah. he dropped
2: yeah. the ball on that one. Yeah, he's like,
1: okay, I, 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 yeah. He's like, no, I want, I want I want smoke now. But earlier he was like, oh, you know, walk right past me. I, I ain't gonna say out there. <laughs> yeah, nothing, so. like, this
0: is really your fault for not you know frisking yeah. them. But whatever. <laughs> Uh, so Kirk recalls a time on mnr Seven when Spock was able to trick a guard using the Vulcan mind probe, and Spock says that he had to lead the guard, or that he he had led the guard to believe that, that they was, had escaped. It, what, that was the callback, wasn't it? I don't remember mnr Seven. Yeah. MNR7. yeah, it, yeah. M- M- e- M- 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 I, don't I know that action's a recall. I remember him doing that Just a guard, yeah. Well, here's the issue, because my note says they sure do get captured a lot. So that's why I don't remember what, like, <laughs> if this had actually been a thing, because they've been captured well, a lot.
1: It was the it was the very first time we ever saw the Vulcan probe, I think. Was it? Because he did it, he did it from distance, and that's what tricked me. I was like, I thought he had to be up close to somebody. I saw oh, it was, like, first yeah, time that's we right. I remember him
0: it. doing it from and, a distance, and, and, yeah.
1: Yeah, he did it through a wall or something like that, and I was like, "Oh, it didn't go through a wall," because I'd always, I only seen like him do it in per, like close up
0: images, like, in anything, and anything anybody talks about it, so like oh, I'd never I, seen it. and I
1: swear he did it from a distance. I
0: think, man, I I remember that. I just don't remember. I mean, if they said it was on a Mini R seven, then it probably was. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I like vaguely recall it, but they do get captured a yeah. lot. So I, I
1: don't. At least know. every other week. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Kirk just wants Spock to do the uh, the Vulcan probe again and the ranged version of it, and Spock agrees that he'll give it a shot. And he moves towards the rock wall and he puts his hands on it. And then we see Kalinda outside the cell; she's just guarding it, and she starts making really weird faces. And suddenly Spock gets thrown away from the wall. So Kalinda enters the cell to see what happened, and Kirk grabs her and just gives her a little chop and knocks her out. And he carries her into the a cell. Judo and chop, the, yeah. Fact, hit her with the judo chop. Works every he time. Yep. He carries her further into the cell, and he lays her down, and then he takes her paralysis device before checking on Spock, and Spock's just totally cool with it. He's been shot before. He doesn't care. You know, my, my one issue, even though he
2: judo-chopped before they left, why wouldn't he just froze her to make sure that, like, hey, yeah. just in case you seem to wake up quicker for whatever
1: reason. He doesn't know how the device works. He wouldn't do, use an untamed device on a perfect per- time to test it so yeah, you yeah, mess yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. who cares yeah we never do that he might turn it. he might turn it into a cube before he can <laughs> do it it's possible
2: we wouldn't even know He was like oops what did I just yeah. do
1: yeah I think yeah plus I just want to clarify like the costume design on this show is so awesome and I don't know how they make women look so beautiful and without without crossing a line somehow I don't know what they do but like they like the costume design is awesome everything about this show is so awesome dude it looks so cool I just and I like how, and I like the Kelvin's costume design. In general, I don't know what it is about the costumes, but I like everybody' costumes the whole time. I episode,
0: do like so, that so the man. Kelvins are not all wearing the same thing. Yeah, like it's the yeah. same yeah. style, but like, sure, maybe it's just a different color, but they all seem to have their own style. Because like, even the two uh, women in the Kelvins are wearing completely different things.
1: Yeah, I like the costume design because, like, I'm about to get deeper into a second, but like, somehow, like. The woman's like 98% exposed yeah. on, on, on the show. But somehow I don't feel like she's exposed. Yeah, I, yeah, somehow it's classy. I don't know how they're doing it. Like it's very, it's like real, I don't know, the little like curve on the hip shape design. I don't know. But it's it looks really good. I know I just, it looks classy. Yeah, good we're putting it. it Let's do really classy. I don't know how. I just, I love the design of the 70s and the 70s. I love the design of everything they do. I know the show is just really cool design wise and I really I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're in the 60s, by the way. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh right. Late late sixties. Yeah. <laughs> you just got late checked. late sixties, early seventies. Oh, my bad. Late
1: it's late sixties, early seventy. I like the whole design of everything they do. So yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, they all exit the cell, and Kirk immediately gets paralyzed by Hanar, and Kalinda emerges from the cell. She's just like, what? Like you call that a judo chop? <laughs> and she goes up and takes her device back, and then Kirk is freed. And Rojan says that the escape cannot go unpunished, and he directs Hanar to take Shay and Kalinda. Uh, to take the yeoman. So, Rojan lectures Kirk on how the leader should realize the importance of discipline. And he says that he needs the specialists of the group, which would be Spock and McCoy, but that the other two are unnecessary. So, Kirk's like, hey, I'm the one that's responsible, so you should punish me and and let my crew go. And Rojan points out that he and Kirk are alike and that they care less for their own safety than for the lives of their command. And he says that they both feel pain when... Uh, others suffer for their mistakes, and that Kirk's punishment is going to be to watch the other people die. So Kirk goes to move, but Rojan just like puts his finger on the button. He's like, uh uh-uh, uh, like I still got this thing. You keep forgetting that. And he tells <laughs> Hanar to uh, proceed, and Hanar pushes his button. So Shay and the yeoman are transformed to these two little 20 sided sponge looking things. And that made me think Yo, that I- there has to be a Star Trek. Dungeons and Dragons module out there somewhere, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have, uh, oh, oh, And it, look,
1: and it look like, looks like that or whatever? I mean, just, oh, like, man, the just dice, seeing the 20-sided so cool.
0: thing just reminded me of Dungeons and, a 20-sided the, dice. And yeah, like, the there dice has, has to it be a Star like white Trek with module for that. On it?
1: I think that's really, first of all, I said, yo, what the what? They showed this on TV? Because my my mind was blown. I was like, they turned them into cubes. And I was like, for a minute, I was like, yo, they showed this on TV. This is, this is crazy to me. Like, they caught me off guard. I was like uh what just happened I was like they showed us on TV and I was like wow and I was like this episode's hardcore
0: like um I couldn't remember uh what a 20-sided thing was called cause I wanted to, I kept wanting to say cube as well and I'm like "What's well, not a cube it's got 20 sides and it's like an ico or yeah it's just 20-sided polygon so there's that but uh, I'm not gonna say that over and over um but yeah, I always wonder in instances like this, when people get turned into things, do they maintain consciousness or are they just now that thing and they just cease to exist? Well,
2: that's what I was wondering. And that, uh here pretty soon that bait, uh, what happens to one of them really you know makes you wonder.
0: When Majin Buu turning people into candy and eating them, are they aware that they're yes. candy and they're being eaten? For I
2: understand, yes, they do. They are fully oh, aware God. that they are being devoured.
1: I remember that inside the body or something, they come apart. That's weird. I think this episode though, when he when he crushed the person up first of all, I thought, oh, there goes the brother, he gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, of course. they picked they picked pick the brother immediately to to to, to add, and I'm like, yo, let's get him immediately. Let's put him in the first one we choose. And they choose a lady, and they crush them. I'm like, oh, he's gone already. The brother's already gone. And then when he comes back, he's alive. I'm like, Yo, no, they killed the female? I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that hurt even worse. <laughs> like, 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 first, first, I was upset they beat the brother to, to kill. Uh, the, the grandma was like, oh, yeah, of course they didn't get rid of us. And then they, they proceeded to kill the female, and I was like, oh, no, they killed her. It hurt a little bit worse. I was like, oh, man. You can't, I said, you can't kill a female like that. How dare you? Was like, they, 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 it was a lose-lose situation for them. Like, it was Louis see either they killed a black guy, and I'm like, oh, my God, no, they killed us again. Or, or, or and they killed a female. I was like, oh, it hurt a little bit worse. I just, I mean, they, they turned into a cube, and, and, he, and he crushed her in his hand, bro. Yeah. Like, that that was, that was oh, my goodness, man. He, he, that he was, jumped, like, dark.
2: jumped straight up to, as of right now, the best villain that we've ever had. Just yep, in that moment.
1: It, not, not, the mo- not the best villain, but the most vicious villain. Like, he's like, hey, there's two with my hand right now. This one's dead. I was like, I thought it was, I, I thought they were dead already. Right. Like, and when it got, I thought they were dead already. He's like, oh, guess what? Now this one's dead. And I was like, yo, he just crushed that person right in front of us in his ha- palm of his hand. You evil, diabolical being, you. Like, <laughs> like you killed a brother. How dare you? And I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he a female. How dare you? I was like, it was just, it was just a funny situation. I was just like, in my head, I laughed out loud. Like, and I was like, oh man, I just. And I watched it a couple times because I like about how how mean it was. What, but was it just, it was
0: very, very cool.
2: But when when he crushed him, I'm like, yep, there, there goes the black guy. So when they showed them killing the female, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa they just well, did a 180 on I me. Just,
0: I just <laughs> thought it was him because of the orientation, like the way that they were sitting and the way that they were picked up and handed. Yeah. I thought that that guy was you on know, that side. He, he was. I thought he was too. I thought
1: of the same thing. I thought when he picked them up, he was on that side. But when he crushed it and he put him back, I was like, "Ain't that the wrong cube they crushed?" But I let it go because, like, that immediately. But man, maybe
0: uh, just, maybe Hennard did a little juggling act or something it, with him on the way over there. We just didn't yeah, see it. I, I, you know really what? it would have really messed up. I'm
1: up, gonna watch uh, it as I'm doing it and check it.
2: It would have been really messed up if he unfroze the one he just broke up and like, oh, look at her body parts all over the front. <laughs> <some> pieces, yeah. <laughs>
0: That would have been really dark. <laughs> Well, then now that we've already covered it, let's get to it in note form. Uh, yeah, so Hanar takes the uh, the little shapes to uh, Rojan, and Rojan explains that uh, the things are the essence of what the people were. The flesh and brain and personality have been distilled down into a compact shape. And then, uh, yeah, he starts to crush one, and it just, like, crumbles to dust. And he explains that the person is now dead. And then he just, like, <laughs> tosses the other one, and he says that it can be restored. And then he directs Hanar to restore it. But what if, like... What if it, when he throws the other one, like bits of it crumble Department off? Broke. Yeah, yeah, like, that's like, what I was they kind They come of thinking back also. like missing toes or something. It's <laughs> like forgot math. like, that he's like, like a part I, of he's their like, brain?
2: Like hey, like, hey, I had ten fingers and now I have
0: four. <laughs> yeah, like what happened? Uh, but yeah, Hanar presses the button and uh, Shay pops up from the object. And Kirk looks down at the one that's crushed and he squats down and picks some of it up in his hands. And I was like, gross. Like, why, why would you? <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, yeah. And then we go to commercial break from there. So, yeah, I've been,
1: I've been following these cubes in his hand right now. And the female is definitely in the, in the hand that he's crushing.
0: Oh, all right. Well, no, yeah, no, I, continuit- yeah, figured, no continuity error then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause when, when he goes to hand them to him, he turns and it's definitely, def- yeah, it's definitely a female one. I, I thought it was the guy the whole time too, but when he goes and turns to hand them to him, he hands them to him the right way. So I noticed.
0: Okay. So we come back, we get a captain's log, and it's just Kirk talking about how his crew is being forced to make changes to the Enterprise uh, to ready it for intergalactic travel. Which I gotta figure some of those people are probably excited, like some of the like deep engineering nerds in there are like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> you, what? You, like, I didn't even you, know that. You're was telling possible. me that Scotty was not all excited and all about right. it. Yeah, mod- like he's probably super Wait. glad to be modifying the ship, just probably not the reason that he's modifying it.
1: And this moment kind of bothers me in a different way, because why why isn't this warp system in our on the ship still after this episode? Is it not like did they? I I, I don't think it is because I remember warp nine being the thing on the Next Generation back in the day. Huh. I thought warp nine was the max. Next Generation. Maybe it's
0: just I, for that time, ship though, because that ship is much much larger than the Enterprise here. The Enterprise D is. You don't absolutely think that massive. they can't.
1: You don't think that they can't make a Warp 11 that far in the future? I don't know how far the shows to, are apart. Because I've is. never actually seen thought it was like 100 years.
0: Generation. Oh. Uh, at least 200 or something, at least, I'm assuming. Wow, and they still talk about, like, Kirk and his escapades all that time later? Damn, they must have really oh, had Kirk's nothing going man. on Come for that on, time.
1: Kirk's the man. It's the next generation, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume that. I don't know. I'll, to, I'll look it up and research, but I'm not sure. that. I just thought that maybe. Because I thought they'd get the Warp 11. Well, And I think the warp the next generation is Warp 9. I thought Warp 9 is the match.
0: Well, maybe in 100 years when we finish this podcast, I'll be able to actually watch the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, during his Captain's Log, Kirk still talks about how he's torn up about Yeoman Thompson being crushed into dust. And then we've got McCoy. He's checking on Spock, and he says that uh, he didn't look well before he broke the mind touch. And Spock says that he didn't break the mind touch, that he was thrown away by something that he's never experienced before. And Kirk's like... Okay, what was it? And Spock explains that it was a series of bizarre and exotic images bursting in his mind and consciousness. I've seen those
2: images before. Oh yeah,
0: hell yeah. He's, <laughs> he knows about those exotic images. <laughs> um, he says colors and shapes and mathematical equations were fused and blurred, and he's been trying to isolate them, but he can only clearly recall one of them.
2: Don't you think Spock would be pretty excited for mathematical equations being
1: beamed on his head?
0: You would think so, yeah. But maybe, maybe only if he can actually make sense of them.
1: That's the issue. He can't make sense of it. That's yeah. his issue.
0: But he says that he saw immense beings with a hundred limbs that look like tentacles and minds of of such control and capacity that each limb is capable of performing a different function. And I'm like, man, that sounds horrifying, honestly. Reminds me of those things. Uh, what was the movie? Arrival, I think? With the yeah. dudes on the ship that are like, trying to make... like. They're, like, they're trying to decipher the language, language. and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's something like that, just with way more tentacles. Um, McCoy wonders if that's what the Kelvins really are, and Spock's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. So then McCoy asks why they'd adapt themselves to human bodies, and Kirk thinks that it was for practical purposes, because immense beings with 100 tentacles would have difficulty with the turbo lift. So he's just trying to eject a little bit of hum- humor there. <laughs> <laughs> He again mentions uh, how they have to stop the Kelvins, but the, the Kelvins have the paralysis field. And then McCoy says that if they make a wrong move, the Kelvins just jam their neural circuits. And Kirk's like, jam, I'm a little bit hungry. Now he actually says <laughs> he, he gets an idea. And uh, he asks Spock if he could set up a counter field to jam the paralysis projector by reversing the circuits on McCoy's neuroanalyzer. And Spock is unsure about how successful that would be, given that medical equipment isn't made to produce that kind of power he says that the polarized yeah, elements are quickly it's the way spot talks,
1: though. The way Spark talks, he said, I am dubious at the populism populi- 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 of success. I'm like, bro, like, can you just say I'm not sure that'll work? Right. Like, <laughs> it's just the way Spark yeah. talks
0: sometimes. Like, I don't know, I have he, doubts. He
1: truly said, I am dubious at the possibilities of success. I'm like, What now? Like, do you speak English, bro? Because obviously, you know, you know I speak English in the proper way. Yeah. Well, but from now on, I'm using that line. By the way, if something happens, something's going on, and I feel like it's not gonna be successful,
0: I am <laughs> dubious of the possibilities of
1: success. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like how he said it. I just it stuck with me. The one of The ones that stick with me, I just sometimes Spock says something, and I'm just like, yeah, that's really ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Uh, so Kirk decides that they need to take the chance, and he wants to get Spock and Bones up to the ship, and he thinks that Spock could fake being sick, and if he doesn't get to the sick bay, then he could die. So McCoy notes that Spock looks healthy. He's like, well, I don't know if he can really fake it. And Kirk remembers that Vulcans have the ability to place themselves in a kind of trance that causes complete relaxation of the mind and body. And Spock says that he he finds it more restful to the body than human so-called vacation. Which Which leads me to believe Spock does not take vacation days. That's true. I think he's I think actually he made mention of that. Uh, in the beginning of this season when he needed to go do his whole yep. wedding thing. He's like, look, I have all this time. I've never used it. <laughs> like, let, let, me, yeah. let me go on vacation. <laughs> I never used it before. But also vacation like, is stressful because people tend to plan out every single second of vacation. And then when you get home from your vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation.
1: It's like Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. It's like, how many sick days have I took? Yeah. Oh, you've been in five years. I'm taking sick days. Okay, you want to raise? Like.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Kirk asks if uh, he can do it now and come out of the sick bay in half an hour. And Spock says that it's going to take him just a moment to prepare. And then he touches his hand to his head and he falls over. And Kirk and McCoy catch him and put him down. And it's like, in your moment to prepare, you didn't think it was going to be a good idea to maybe lay down first. Sit down. So he didn't fall yes. and hit your head on a rock and get a concussion and just actually that down, be by sick. I down,
1: I wrote it down. Why didn't he sit down? <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, yeah. catch me, guys. Do it do it the yeah. ultimate video. trust fall.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought I was a little extra myself.
0: So McCoy tells uh, Kirk that Spock's heartbeat is really slow and his pulse is practically non-existent. So at that point, Kirk calls for Hanar to tell him that Spock is ill. And Hanar is rightfully suspicious. And he's like, that's pretty unusual for illness to come on so suddenly. And Kirk explains that Vulcans don't react to things like that the way that humans do. So McCoy says that he needs to get Spock to the sickbay or he's not going to make it and then Hanar enters the cell and agrees to have him beamed on board. And the thing that I liked about Hanar and the others here is that they're not just like henchmen. Like they're they're smart. He's immediately suspicious of what's going on here. He's like he wasn't sick like 2 minutes ago. <laughs> like what's going on here? Like they're they're not just like dumb henchmen.
1: They're overly they're overly intelligent, but very, uh, not perceptive, which I find cool. Yeah. A backwards way of doing it.
0: And, and they don't like um, the, they cool. don't know about Vulcans. So like, yeah, like he's like, okay, that sounds plausible. Like, I guess I don't really know any better, yeah. but we do need this guy. So I guess don't let him die. Well, then he, he had a little bit of like
2: command himself. Cause he didn't have to go ask, you know, anyone like, oh, Hey, can I beam them up? He's like, no, I'll just, I'll just beam them up myself.
0: Right. Like, yeah, so obviously he's trusted with a little bit of authority to make some decisions. So he's proven himself at some point or another. Uh, we go a little bit later, and McCoy and Tomar uh, wheel Spock into the sickbay on a gurney, and Nurse, nurse Chapel asks what is going on. And McCoy tells her to prepare two cc's of Stokaline, which I looked it up, because it's not real, and it's an in-universe multivitamin compound. So basically he's just going to give him the multivitamin and uh, Nurse, oh, okay. nurse Chapel is confused, but McCoy tells her not to argue and to just go get it. And she leaves, and she comes back with the Stokelyne, and enjoy, uh, McCoy injects Spock with it. And he's like, okay, uh, this may be the turning point. And he tells Nurse Chapel to go get another shot. And she tries to argue a little bit against it, but he tells her to just follow orders. And I really feel like the way her character's been written so far, she would have picked up that something is going on and just been like, oh, yeah, like first wink, time. wink, yep. like I got it. So I feel like it's kind of like a yes, miswriting for her character I here. With-
1: yeah, I thought he would have winked at her because, first of all, they didn't know what a wink is. Right. They don't know what a wink's mean. So he could look at her and be like, you know, whatever. Yeah, what's is. wrong if with I'm your eye? Her, she, it, <laughs> yeah, nothing. I got something, you know. I did, I thought it would have been cool to put that in there if, if she had winked at him. Right. They w- had winked at her or whatever, and they had said something about her, uh, what, what? What does that mean? Yeah, I just well, feel like she, she would have picked, picked up been on
2: that. Cap- it. Plus, the ship's been captured, so she should have figured out, like, oh, Kirk would have came up with a, a plan to retake the ship. So right. there might be some odd... Odd things going on that might that you might be seen or requested to do that just hey just go with it
1: right uh, later on um, when they reference um uh the like the kiss apology thing went am a little bit ahead it would have been cool if the wink would have been something like oh that's how that's how we greet each other like we say hi <laughs> yeah okay, they just walk around you winking know, like to everybody yeah, yeah like, like like they make that like a greeting thing you know and then like and like use like I wish they would have used like a couple of things of um ways things that we do and but told them it was something else. And that'd be like a running thing for the episode. I think they, I think they missed the opportunity there. But they could have like winked there and then told them something else. And then all certain things that was like us giving to the clues on what to do. They could have been like, oh, well, that's how we do certain things. It kind of like, it, yeah. it kind of tricked them in a way.
0: Yeah. It's just a mild annoyance. Just weird writing for her. But yeah. Spock wakes up and uh, he sees that Tamara is still in the room. And he quickly pretends that he's uh, still sick. So he like closes his eyes again. And then Nurse Chapel returns with another shot. And McCoy injects Spock with it again. And uh, he tells Tamara that Spock needs a rest. And he explains that it's a flare-up of Rigelian cassava fever. And he says that Spock suffered from it about ten years ago. And that it recurs every now and then. And he says that there's no danger if he gets medicine in time. That he should be alright in a couple of hours. So Tamara's like, alright, good enough to me. And he leaves to uh, go inform Rojan. So we go back to the planet. Rojan is telling Kirk that they're going to beam aboard the ship soon, and Kirk needs to understand what his duties are. Kirk says that his duty is to stop Rojan in any way that he can, and Rojan tells Kirk that he's going to have to obey. And uh, Kirk asks, he's like, oh, what, are you going to kill more of my people? And uh, Rojan seems a little bit upset that uh, Kirk does not understand the importance of his mission. And he says that the Kelvins have a code of honor, which is harsh, demanding, and it calls uh, for much from them, and it calls for much from those that they conquer. And he says that Kirk has been conquered. And he says that he respects Kirk's devotion to his duty, but he can't permit it to interfere with his own duty. So Kalinda's in the background. She's just like hanging out, picking flowers. And she picks one and she brings it over to Kirk and Rojan. She talks about how lovely they are. And she asks Kirk what they're called. And he's like, well, it's a flower, but I don't know the variety. Like he, he started off like really upset about it. He's like, "It's a flower, you idiot!" And then he's just like, "I don't, I don't really know the variety, though." It's like, have you ever seen a flower before? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, she explains that their memory tapes tell them of a similar thing on Kelvin, and that they're actually crystals that form with such rapidity that they seem to grow. She says that they look somewhat like fragile flowers, but they call them sashir. And Kirk's is like, "Oh yeah, this is where we get the episode title." He says, "Oh, a rose by any, a rose by another name." Or any other name. And uh, she looks at him like, what? <laughs> and so he's like, oh, it's a, it's a quote from a great human poet, Shakespeare. And then he says the quote, which is, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And that's the end of that scene. Man,
1: Shakespeare got it good, bro. He's going to be around more dust than bones. Yeah. People are <laughs> still going to be quoting Shakespeare. Like, I, I, I don't think he realized what he wrote. I mean, maybe he did at the time. But I can just imagine like thousands and thousands of years, somebody like, Oh yeah, let's listen to that podcast from the Moon guys. Like, oh, we still got the voices around or whatever. I mean, they just have that kind of um, yeah. have that kind of influence on the world to where like Shakespeare's around forever. Yeah, he's got some staying power so for sure. Things, so, yep. Even in the year two thousand twenty, well, two thousand two hundred and thirty-eight, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. So later, uh, the entire crew and the Kelvin's are on the bridge of the Enterprise as Rojan explains that Drea has computed and laid into the course for Kelba. And Chekhov notes that they've jumped to warp eight. And Rojan's like, Yeah, well, we're going to go even faster. And he calls them to increase the speed to warp 11. So Kirk orders Chekhov to comply with a speed increase. And Dreya announces that they're going to reach the galaxy barrier within an hour. So Kirk tells Rojan, He's like, I'm going to go to sickbay to see my first officer. And Rojan's like, Oh, yeah, I heard that he was sick. So, you know, I'll allow that. Go ahead. Yeah, he's like, Oh, go ahead and check on him. Yeah, he's not like completely terrible. So Kirk enters what appears to be like some kind of engineering or research room where McCoy and Scotty and Spock are working. And Spock says that he's located the Kelvin's power source that it's installed in engineering. So Scotty says that uh, he's tied into the lab computers and that should give the jammer that they made a little bit more power to to push with. Then we go to engineering. We get a really interesting shot here because in engineering, you've got like the console in front. and There's a window behind them where you see like an area like down below uh, and we've been in that area before, but you actually see Kirk go over there because Tomar is kind of just like patrolling, and Kirk is in the background, just distracting Tomar. He's just like talking to him. So really interesting shot. Like I would have thought that they would have focused on that and then pulled to Scotty and Spock, but they left that go in the background. ooh
1: I see I see, it, I see it now that you see that. Is it actually
0: Kirk, or is it just a a body double? It might be a body double, but it's supposed to be Kirk. Because, like, why use Shatner for somebody that's not going to be in focus? You know what I mean? You can shoot that on another day when he's not there or whatever.
1: But That is a very, very clever uh, good shot that you brought it up. I'm watching it right now, and it looks really good. I didn't notice it until you brought it up just now.
0: Yeah, he's back there just distracting Tamar and Scotty and Spock move towards the power source and Spock says he he realizes what they need to do, they cannot do because the material surrounding the projector is the same as the bars of their cell from the planet and the readings indicate that it's impervious to any of their weapons. So they can't penetrate the casing and they can't get to the machine and he says that there is another possibility and uh, that they'll get it ready, but the final decision is going to be on Kirk. And he explains that the Enterprise is propelled by matter-antimatter reactors and that the barrier that they have to traverse through is a negative energy. And Scotty's like, oh, I understand where you're going, but I don't think I like it. And then they get to work. And I did not understand where they were going, and I do also like it. (laughs) Uh, A little bit later, the crew walks through the corridor as Kirk is paged to the bridge. And they go into the turbo lift, and Spock explains why they can't jam the power source. And he says that they've prepared a means for the only logical alternative available. And Kirk's like, okay, that's good, but what is the alternative here? So Spock explains the barrier being negative energy. And Scotty says that he's opened the control valves on the matter-antimatter nacelles, and he'll flood them with positive energy on Kirk's signal. And Spock explains to them then that uh, when they engage the barrier, the ship's going to explode, and the Kelvins will be stopped along with them. So Kirk's like, that doesn't sound very good. And he starts to argue about it, but then the turbo lift arrives at the bridge and the door is open, so they, they have to stop talking about it.
2: Which was kind of nice because they didn't drag the scene out. Like, obviously, the elevator only has so much time before you reach your destination, so you couldn't have like a full blown, you know, argument.
0: Right. Yeah, and he just has to make the choice then.
1: At the same time, I thought this would be Kurt's idea.
0: I, like I feel like it would be a last does. resort
1: because up were ridiculous ideas and then normally implements them. So I just thought that he would like consider it for a second, but he automatically went to the, are you mad conversation instead of even really considering it? Like I'll, I'll, I'll take your, I'll take those into consideration. Like he, he normally like replies a lot more calmly right, to, about things. And then like that's exit. And the fact that he automatically went to the, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, I would never do that. I just think that was kind of unlike Kurt in a way.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like it's just he's rushed for time. Like they're first of all, they're getting to the bridge, but also they're getting to the barrier. So like he really just doesn't have time to work this out with them. It's like, hey, we rigged up this thing to explode. Like you need to tell us if are we doing it or are we not? And he only has like a matter of minutes to make that decision. And I, I feel like I mean he for sure doesn't want to blow everybody up, but I mean, you may have to. <laughs> I I th- I think it was, I would've I wish
1: Kurt would have did it and it did it Newark because the Calvins had had made a plan for it. I thought that would have been more impactful. I thought if they, he'd been like, if he would hit, he'd be like, you know what, we need to stop them here. We gotta sacrifice themselves. Let's do it. And he hit the button. But then the Calvin's would have been like, oh, oh, we plan for that too. Well, I well, thought that, would, that have, would have been the thing.
2: But that would have worked because later on they they find out that they knew about it anyway, and they yeah, already had, took precautions yeah, against it. So they they could yeah, have hit but, the yeah, button. But
1: I, but, but, yeah, but I wish they would have did that. Like, if they had hit the button or whatever, like, the, the amount of respect for Spock at that moment, or sorry, or Kurt at that moment, be like, hey, we need to, this decision we need to make, they're too dangerous, let's do this now, we're doing it now, boom, do it. And then the Cowboys going to be like, oh, you thought you were do that? Oh, no, we got a plan for that too. He'd have made a sacrifice, but at the same time, the going would have had a plan for it. And I think that at that moment, you'd have thought, you know what, Kurt puts the uh, success of the galaxy above his own crew. But he didn't do that this time. He put his crew, his crew above the, above the protection of the galaxy, and I find that unbeneath. Kurt. I mean, I find that beneath Kurt, because I think Kurt was the kind of guy like, you know what, we're gonna hit the button, do it. We need to protect everyone, not my ship. So I, 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 that's how I felt about the
0: situation. I feel like he just knew that it was like a last last resort, and he thought that he could do something like without having to kill his entire crew and also protect the galaxy. Like, I, I feel like he's... Kirk is not like a, I have to do one or the other. Like, somebody has to live, somebody has to die. He's an everybody has to live kind of guy. And like, he always has to find that way to make sure that everybody survives and everything works out.
1: But at this moment, he had no glimmer of hope of anything. Right. I'm, I'm saying, like, any kind of thought and process. He's stubborn. Therefore, he, he, he was risking everything in on the situation. Maybe and part just, of him was I hoping like
2: that... uh. When they were trying to get through the barrier, that the barrier just destroyed the ship, and like he'd have more of a clean conscious quote unquote, of like, well, we tried to get through it, but
0: you know, we yeah, just right. couldn't,
2: and we all died anyway.
0: I would have been okay yeah, if just, they I'm just I mean, hit Kurt, the button. I think I think Kurt, and then it blows up, and that's the end of the series. <laughs> it's just, that well, it no, just no. hit the end <laughs> right I no, am just hitting the button,
1: and then the I was hitting the button, but then the Calvin's have some kind of plan that he hired put in place. Yeah, I'd have been
0: okay with no plan in place. It just blows up the ship. Explodes, everybody dies, the and the series sea, is done. The season's <laughs> yeah, over? That's it. It's just over with.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, we're on the uh, bridge, and Rojan informs them that they're approaching the barrier, and they watch the screen, and Kirk sits down and looks uh, over to Spock, and he looks at Scotty, and Scotty's just like, finger just hovering above that button. He's like, just tell me. Just tell me what we got to do. I'll hit that button, boss. Like, I'll kill <laughs> us all. He is just primed <laughs> and ready to go. And then they approach the barrier, and we approach a commercial break. And we come back from the break, and we get a captain's log. Just explains everything that's currently happening. So Kirk asks for readings from Spock, and he says that the sensors. Spock says the sensors indicate that the density is negative, and radiation negative, and energy negative. And Scotty's just standing by with his finger on the button, just ready to blow it up. And Spock announces that they've made contact with the barrier. So Scotty then reads the outside hull temperature, which is at over two thousand degrees and rising. And Kirk tells them to just hold their positions. So the ship gets a little bit shaky, and they move through the barrier. Chekov announces that they've made it through the barrier as Spock reports that the instruments are returning to normal. Uhura then starts reading off reports of damage and casualties on all the decks. Scotty reports some outages of several systems and says that they're on emergency backup power. And Spock reports that the life system or life support systems are sustaining on emergency power. So at this point, Rojan's like, Hey, Kirk, like your people are super efficient. Like You did a really nice job. And then he directs Hanar to start neutralizing all the people. And Kirk's just like, wait, what? Like, what's what's going on here? And Rojan reveals that the humans are troublesome and that they needed everyone to get through the barrier, but there aren't enough Kelvins to guard everybody on the ship at once. And he says that the food synthesizers can't manufacture enough food for the entire journey, so they're neutralizing all non-essential personnel. And uh, he says that that is already underway, which is a shame because in 2020, everyone was essential, apparently. <laughs> but <laughs> I know we were. Yeah, now, now they no longer are. Uh, so he instructs uh, Drea to start on the bridge personnel, and he goes to Ahura and says uh, they have no need for communications. And he turns her in one of the twenty-sided objects like he did to everybody else. Then he says that Drea is capable of handling the ship from now on, and he gets rid of Chekhov. And then she does the same to three other unnamed people on the bridge. Were you hoping that when Chekhov's
2: sugar cube thing fell, that it just shattered part (laughs) of you?
0: Falls no, on the floor no, no. and just, <laughs> just breaks into dust. I've actually I've grown to like check off a little more. If we've come through the season two. Oh, there we go. See, now that you're going to the, the convention over here, you might still have up running <laughs> into him all of a sudden. You're like, oh, what a cool guy. See, before he was like, no, check off the. Well, works. as they've toned him down a little bit. Uh, before he was just obnoxious, and he still is like the same kind of comedy, but it's a little more toned down, and we don't get as much of it. Like it's okay in small bursts. But the um, amount of crap that he had to do in the first, like, few episodes that he was around was just too much for me. Like, I, I can take it in small bursts. I want to say everybody got cubed and died. And they got cubed on
1: the ship. It's now your fault, Kirk, for not pressing the button. No, it's... At, the, at this moment, you get all the hate. It's
0: Shay's fault for letting them button, get man. so close without patting them down. <laughs> nah, nah. This, that's not, Shay's going to well, get hey, recubed Kirk, too. He's going to get turned into one of those things for a this, second Kate, time.
1: Uh, Kurt brought Shay on this mission
0: as yeah, his security. So it's his fault. Therefore, yep. it, it goes back. To, it <laughs> yes. still goes back to Kurt. All right,
1: I'll, I'll accept and that. Kurt had brought a better security guard. We, we in the situation now. Are so there better security guards, Paul? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> don't do that now. Let's, let's, <laughs> uh, we're not doing that. Okay, you don't, don't try to trick me. I'm just saying that you know they get him with the security guard. Pick somebody you know a little bit better than Shay. we have been good to go. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, people are getting uh, getting turned into into these polygons all over the ship and uh, the ship continues on as Kirk walks through a corridor and he turns a corner and he sees seven of the little 20-sided guys laying on the corridor along with a data pad and some other devices and uh, Rojan approaches him and asks Kirk if he agrees that it's better a better thing for them than exploding the ship as Scotty thought to do and he's like yeah we detected that but Tomar has advised a mechanism to prevent any further tampering and he advises Kirk to just accept the situation so that it'll be much less painful for him. And Kirk at doesn't say anything.
2: Like, at this point, I was like, "Damn! Like, how are they going to get out of this?" Like,
0: yeah, it's just—I was
2: trying to rack my brain on how Kirk was going to figure this one out. I'm like, I, I have no, no idea how they're going to beat these guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems pretty, uh, pretty Same. bleak for them. Uh, but Kirk walks away and he doesn't say anything. And he just enters the cafeteria where Spock and McCoy and Scotty are eating. And he's like, are we all that's left? And Spock says that it appears that the four of them are the only ones that the Kelvins consider essential. Uh, McCoy questions why Kirk didn't destroy the ship if it was their only chance. And they actually get into a pretty good argument, like a very well acted out little argument here where they both kind of raise their voices. And Kirk just basically expresses that he didn't believe that that was their only option. Like he didn't think that blowing everybody up was the only thing they could do. And like he didn't know that they were going to you know, do this to the entire crew. And probably if he would have known, he probably would have blown up the ship. And McCoy says that he saw uh, saw them reduce four of his doctors and nurses into the the little objects. But Kirk gets really angry and he slams his fist on the table and he sh- he's like, they were, they've reduced the whole crew. Like, he's just really upset. Very well acted from both sides here. Very believable argument, I feel like. You didn't know that was possible,
1: Kirk. You're supposed to be the smart one here. You saw him reduce people already. You should've thought of worst-case scenario. You should've thought, "Oh man, maybe they might reduce all of us to little stones." It's your job to do that, Kurt. You're the man in charge. You're supposed to think of all the possibilities of this happening, and you put us in a bad position. Luckily, in the you know in the moment, we're gonna start noticing a way to get our stuff out the hole that you put us in. You know, but I just think that this like I, even though Kurt made some good decisions, I think that he made a lot of bad decisions in this episode. Like, I, even though they're like. Very, like, very Uncurl-like decisions. I just think that, you know, his optimism of being able to go against everything eventually is going to, should come back to bite them. Yeah. And eventually people are going to die. Many people are going to die because Kurt's terrible decisions.
0: Yeah. Um. So Tamar enters the room, and he's watching them eat. And he's like, why do you guys take the trouble to eat? And he pulls out this little container, and he says basically that they have little pills that contain all the nutritional elements that they need. And McCoy assists the, uh, insists that Tamar try some food. He's like, well, why don't you try eating for once? And Tamar's like, you know what? I think I will. Which, I mean, good it, on him that, for trying new things. Yeah, that, that Play-Doh looks really delicious. Yeah, <laughs> your little colored things there. <laughs> so McCoy gets up and he shows Tamar how to work the food synthesizer. And Tamar sits down at a table and he tries some food. And Scotty, at this point, he's whispering to Kirk that they should try again to knock out the paralyzer power source. And... Kirk says that that's now out of the question because they need it to bring everybody back to human form, and that assumes that they don't just gather everybody up and crush them. They just kind of left them around in the hallways. You think just like kick them as they walk through? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't like step on it. Yeah, when you bring all those people back, play, it is going to uh, be a mess. Play a
1: game of crush the can.
0: Yeah, just get the can around and go yeah. crunch. Um, Spock points out uh, points Kirk atten- Kirk's attention to Tamar, who is really enjoying the food that he's eating. And Spock finds it interesting, and he says that the isolated glimpses of the things that he saw when he touched Kalinda's mind are starting to coalesce into his consciousness. And the Kelvins have superior intellectual capacity, but to achieve it, they have apparently sacrificed anything which would distract them. So they got rid of their perceptive uh, senses like taste, touch, smell, and emotions. And Kirk notices that Tamar shouldn't be enjoying the the taste of the food. But Spock says that they've taken human form, and they're having human reaction. And at that point... My note says that Kirk realizes that, oh, yeah, there are two women I could sleep with on this ship. <laughs>
1: Dude, like, go you go don't ride. understand. I brought down Honey Pot Kurt. Oh, God. <laughs> I swear, my notes are here. It's like, oh, emotions. I put, how do we stop that? I put Honey Pot Kurt. Yep. I sent Kurt after the female, the tricker in the... Trigger and the- it's helping them out. Every cause whole episode time. I thought, yo, there's no way you got a girl that looks this good on the show, and Kurt and, I, and not Kurt not messing them. I was like, there's <laughs> right. no way. And and like kept going, cause very rarely do we get a beautiful woman in an episode that Kurt don't end up trying to hook up with or casting pretty much. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is kind of weird. But I was like, oh, maybe it's not happening. That's kind of cool. That's different. And then I saw this moment. I thought, oh yeah, Honey pocket, Kurt. Here we go. Get his sauce in there. Get, get the female tr- tricker and the tricker to betraying everybody.
0: Yep, the plan's in place. It's what he's been thinking of the entire time. (laughs) He's like, uh, like, I found a way. That's why he didn't blow up the ship is because he wanted to sleep with one of these or both of these women. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if I blow us all to pieces, I can't have sex with them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So McCoy jokes that if Tamar keeps reacting like that, then he's going to need a diet. And Kirk thinks that uh, if they all respond to stimulation of the senses, then they could be distracted. He thinks that if they can confuse the Kelvins enough, then they could take the devices from their belts. And Spock agrees. So Kirk tells them to look for any way to stimulate their senses. And Scotty says that he can think of one way right off. And before I, I, I pause it here and I said, I know the, where this is going.
2: And I am so glad that we have a running joke with Scotty that he <laughs> is a hardcore it, partier. It, it and he
1: actually us. is. <laughs> yes, and finally paid off for us. I said the same thing. I was like, the Brandon Rice episode... <laughs> and it's like, like Randy wrote this episode, like, he wrote, he wrote in, in in the past, and be like, yo, this has to be, if we finally get our moment for Scotty, we've been begging j- jokes this whole time, and the joke finally <laughs> paid off, Scotty is the man. He went and got the alcohol immediately, and the first thing I thought was, wow, Brandon was right. Like Not, not only just, the
2: alcoholic, he, he hides alcohol yeah, in yeah. his <laughs> <ribs>.
1: everywhere. <laughs> the most expensive stuff. Yeah, I just it just it, it finally paid off after all this time. So like, what a, what a great moment for us as a as a as a crew, you know? Like, what a great moment! I just and I, I don't like even Honey know Pot, what it
0: was, but like as soon as he stood up and he's like, "Oh, I know what to do," I was like, "I know where this is going."
1: If <laughs> 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 oh man, I just what a like what an amazing episode! Like really fun. Like it just it really the Honeypot Kurt and and this I was like, "Yo, this got to be girl!" Like everything about this episode is coming. in. You know, got Kurt with the females. You got Scotty with the alcohol. Like, it's just, it's truly like, like, even though, like, this episode is almost perfect because it's truly like everything I dreamed about in my head, joking around,
0: like, everything just comes full circle. So, I really This this episode here takes a weird turn into comedy at some point. Yes. I I wrote that down, too. This is when it takes a a 100% right turn. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Scotty gets up and he goes over to Tamar and he's like, hey, you're going to need something to wash that food down with. Have you ever tried any sari and brandy? And Tamar's like... Huh? I have not. <laughs> like, he's he's definitely interested. And you know what? Good for Tamar for being open to trying new things for <laughs> right. these people that he is held holding captive.
1: Well, it's funny that um they give her childlike in a way, like to, with the things they're doing. Like, it's like they're really smart, but this is a moment where you start noticing like he's very childlike with the new things he wants to.
0: Well, they're experiencing they everything
1: for the first time. For the first time, yeah. It's just it, it's very it's very clever writing. To, like, have something that's so overly complicated and so smart, but just to be like, oh, but your, bo- your body senses are the one that betrays you. Yeah. You know, you, you, no, no matter how smart and that you are in life, your body can betr- what your body wants and, and needs can betray you. And it's just, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible.
0: Right. So. We go from there a little bit later, and McCoy is in sickbay with Hanar, and he's scamming, it, scam, scamming him, yes. He's scanning him. Scamming him. <laughs> he's like of well, like, scamming him, honestly. He's like, look, my uncle left me a lot of money, and I just need money to get that out, and that's where you come in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, McCoy is scanning Hanar, and he tells Hanar that his body is a little bit anemic, which was caused by taking his food in pills instead of solid sustenance, and he gives Hanar a high-potency vitamin concentrate shot. And tells him that he's gonna need probably three a day for a couple of days, and then he's like, "And eat some solid food, won't you?" And then I'm like, "Why can't they just poison these people in their food or in the shots that he's giving them? Why couldn't they have just killed them right here?" Hmm.
1: I don't. I don't think they're gonna kill them. I don't think they're. I don't think they're thinking about killing people that often. Yeah, but, but why, why not? They just
0: turned the entire crew into twenty-sided dice. Like I feel like they, you they could don't know just, how they.
1: They don't know how to use the device
0: though to turn them back. They're gonna take it anyway and try to figure it out. Spock would have figured it out. And if these people can teleport, what are you going to do? Keep them in a cell? They're just going to teleport out. Good point. But anyway, we go back to Tamar, and he's just getting drunk with Scotty. And then they ran out of brandy, and uh, that's the scene. That's it. <laughs> They're just hanging yeah. out getting
1: drunk. <laughs> just hanging out drinking. So, getting uh, lit
0: together. Then we go to Kirk, and he enters Kalinda's yes. room. And I'm like, I knew this was coming. Yes. We all knew this was coming. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, he says that he wants to apologize for hitting her, and she says she's very understanding. She's like, well, you were only trying to escape, and that's the same thing that we would have done. And he says that he doesn't usually go around beating up beautiful women, and she's like, why not? And I'm like, yeah, Kirk, <laughs> yeah, why, not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> I feel like Kirk that does was go a, around beating up beautiful women.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was just a, what a great one-liner. Like, why yeah. not? Like, oh, yeah. Yes, that does sound uh, like He's like, you I know, guess. I like, hadn't
0: really considered that side. <laughs> she's, yeah. like, they, she's like, they got faces, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kirk's really perplexed now. He doesn't know how to handle that. Yeah. Like, it threw him off guard. He's like, that's not really the response I normally get. Like, why not? Like it's, Well, his thing is more getting beat up by the beautiful women. That's what he's into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, um, man. So he says that there are better things for men and women to do, and she's like, "Like what?" And he's like, "I don't know, play Doctor Mario or something, damn woman." <laughs> but he uh, play Operation. Let's play Doctor. The yeah. house. <laughs> he touches her neck and uh, asks if that's where he hit her, and she's like, "No, it was, it was right on the other side." So he like goes behind her and kisses the back of her neck, and then asks her if that's better. And uh, that's very forward of her. you <laughs> think, like, what is that supposed yeah. to Oh my <laughs> right.
1: goodness, men the '60s sexual harassment thing would have been so high nowadays. Oh my goodness, bro, you can't just kiss her on the neck, yeah, man. Yeah. Like you have now entered the zone, sir. Like the the, the touching of the neck was kind of like it definitely crossed the line already. But he went, he was ready for the kiss on the neck. I'm like, oh come on, Kirk, bro, you're yeah. not gonna make it here in the 2020s, man.
0: No. Yep. And uh, she's like, oh, is that supposed to be a remedy? And he turns her around and he's like, this is. And then he kisses her. And I'm like, dude, she's a giant creature with 100 <laughs> tentacles. Like, you will literally make out with it anything. It does not
1: matter. <laughs> it does not matter, sir. This is, um, Hey,
2: it's Kirk is very open.
1: <laughs> yes, Kirk don't care about him being a young a thousand limbs. He don't care about that. Come on, he's Kirk. Green hair, green skin, blue skin. He don't care what it is. Three hands, four hands.
0: Yep, as long as you're there. legs. Yep, yeah, you exist, lady.
1: Four eyes, eight eyes. He's like, oh yeah, how you doing, baby? <laughs> I'm Kurt. Nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> so uh, she asks if there's supposed to be some significance to that action, and he explains that it's an expression of warmth and love among humans. And she says that she's she's like, you're trying to seduce me. And uh, she reveals that she's been studying humans and that they've devoted much literature to love. She asks why humans build such mystique around a simple biological function. And Kirk's like, well, we enjoy it. And she asks if he's talking about the literature. And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry that I brought it up. And he goes <laughs> to leave. And she asks if he really regards the touching of lips to be pleasurable. And he sarcastically responds... Uh, then he's like, well, I did. <laughs> She's like, okay, well, let's try that again. So she kisses him <laughs> again, and uh, Rojan walks in, and he's like, is there a, a problem here? And Kirk's like, well, there wasn't when I came in. <laughs> like, I <don't> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: problem now. You're here, sir.
0: Yeah. Like, did you just <laughs> cockblocked me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he leaves, and uh, Rojan asks Linda what Kirk was doing, and she explains that he was apologizing for hitting her. And it involves some peculiar touching contact. So, (laughs) Rojan, he's he's interested. He's like, I would like to know more of this. (laughs) And so, she kisses (laughs) him. And he says that the humans are very odd creatures. And then we go to Tamar. He's still getting drunk with Scotty. And they finish another bottle. And Tamar asks if Scotty has any more. And Scotty doesn't have any more of what they were drinking. And Tamar's like, oh, I'm okay with really just any drink. And my note for this says, Tamar seems like an okay dude. He's super likable in this section, and he was open to eating food, and now he's just drinking and chilling with Scotty, and I really want them to just become friends. (laughs) (laughs) He can handle his alcohol
2: for never having any alcohol
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, what a good point. I guess I never thought of it that way at all. Like, he should have been drunk quick the first time drinking. I really just wanted to become, like, drinking buddies at this point. Like, I have no (laughs) idea of the ending or anything. I'm just like, I I hope Tamar is just like, you know what? I just want to be friends with this guy and get drunk and eat food. Yes. Uh, But elsewhere, Spock is playing his, like, 4D chess with Rojan, and Spock's talking about how he finds humans to be peculiar, and he finds them unfathomable, but an interesting psychological study. And Rojan says that he doesn't understand the pressing with the lips as an apology, and Spock says that, oh, he's like, oh, that's, that's a kiss, yeah. So Spock says that such apologies are usually between two people that have some affection for each other. Rojan argues that Kalinda has no affection for Kirk. And Spock, uh, he's, like, taking a piece of, uh, like, he makes a move and uh, takes a piece of Rojan's. And he's like, oh, yeah, your game is off. And he asks if Rojan was disturbed by the incident. Rojan, he's like, I don't know why I should be disturbed by that. And Spock notes that Rojan has known Kalinda for some time and that uh, they're both Kelvins. And he says that Rojan is displaying the symptoms of jealousy. And Rojan's like, I'm not jealous, and Spock just keeps like pressing him on the issue. He's like, "Yes, you are," and then uh, <laughs> Rojan makes a move, and Spock check makes him. So we go back to Scotty, and he can barely that, stand it. Did I ask before he-
1: about that uh, game they're playing? Have I asked if that that game? Like, is a real game?
0: I think it is. I, 4D yeah, chess? I think we've covered that before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what is it called? 4D chess.
1: Four four D chess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I never. I, I've always. I've always seen it in the show. I never played it before. I'm curious. I'm gonna have to look it up. And see if I can learn how to play it.
0: So we go uh, to Scotty, and he can barely stand, and he's just grabbing more liquor, and then uh, he doesn't know what it is. And he's like, I have no clue what this is, but it's green, and then they just drink it. Let <laughs> so yeah. me like just keep what coming is, back. One of Scotty's potions that he made a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that we just keep coming back to them just drinking, just for a second. Just like a quick 20-second scene of them drinking, still chilling. Um, Then we go to Rojan, and he walks into Kalinda's room, and he tells her that he doesn't want her fraternizing with the humans because they offer strange ideas, and they're not meant for Kelvins. And uh, she asks if he's given the same order to the others, and he says no. And he wants her to avoid Kirk. She refuses, and she says that Rojan has told her many times that humans are no threat to them, And then he grabs her and he tells her, he's like, just do what I say. Or he he says he's going to neutralize Kirk and all the other humans. And then they both look down and realize that he has grabbed her in anger. And we go to commercial break from there. She also laid her down too, by the way. She made her different. It looked good. I know, it really did. So the ship continues towards the Andromeda Galaxy as McCoy injects Hanar with another shot. And Hanar asks how many more of those he's going to need. And McCoy tells him that they'll have to do this for a couple more days he literally says he's like well we'll have to do this for a few more days and hanara gets really mad and he storms off and he's like i don't see why you keep referring to yourself in the plural <laughs> he just like leaves. <laughs> yeah so tanara we go back to him and or tamara and he wants more to drink but scotty says that all they have left is a very 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 old scotch whiskey and tamara's like okay i want to try that and scotty goes to get it and He's like talking to the Scotch. He's like, oh, I was saving you. And Tamar just interrupts him. He's like, come on, like, let's drink. And uh, Scotty (laughs) pours him a glass. And uh, at this point, I feel like Scotty's getting kind of out drank. Like Tamar is really. Which is is crazy. Yeah, we got a little uh, Gimli Legolas action going on here. So, a little later, Kirk and McCoy and Spock have gathered, and Kirk says that he can't tell if they're getting anywhere with their plan, and he says that he hasn't seen Scotty in hours.
2: (laughs) Which Uh, made made me laugh when he said that so hard. I'm like, oh, come on. You know Scotty (laughs) (laughs) disappeared. Yeah, you know (laughs) know what what he's
0: doing. Uh, McCoy points out, they haven't seen Tamar either, but Hanar is getting more irritable by the minute, and he reveals that he's giving him shots of formazine and that they should have him climbing the walls. So, whatever he's giving him is supposed to just, like, mess him up and make him really angry. And Spock says that Rojan is showing signs of jealousy. But none of them talk about Drea. Poor Drea is just hanging out on the bridge, flying I, I the ship. I know, she getting no love. Yeah. That's
1: crazy because that is the girl. That's most, I think she's the most beautiful girl in the whole episode, honestly. She's, the, she's my future ex-wife,
2: man. Yeah, I, I, the I agree with Paul. <laughs> what? What else? I, no, I agree with you. I thought she was better looking than the other girl.
1: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. By far to me. By far to me. I don't know why. I just thought I, she was very little episode very uh, not very often. So I thought she'd be in a lot more. Yeah, but Greta. it's a blonde, and it's not, and, and it's the six, late 60s, so, yeah. you know, not 70s. I got you right now this time, Brendan. <laughs> late 60s, so I'm assuming that she was a bigger star.
0: Yeah. Um, Kalinda then uh, enters the room, and she says that she wants to talk to Kirk, and Spock excuses himself and McCoy by saying that he's due for another injection. Kind of has to drag McCoy out of the room. So Kalinda talks about how humans are overly preoccupied with – she doesn't outright say it, but she's talking about sex. Uh, they're, they're overly preoccupied with sex. And Kirk is like, well, humans do think about it a lot. I'm like, I think it, that's just true. you. <laughs> like, I think Kirk just thinks about it a lot. He's a, he probably thinks like he's a man. We think about it a lot as men. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay, bro. Uh, so she says that she's done some reading on it, and she wants him to apologize to her again. Then we go to the bridge, and Hanar exits the turbo lift, and he expresses his anger about how their responsibilities are divided. And Rojan says that it's the way that his duties have always been. And Hanar's like, Yeah, that's my second problem. Like, why do I have to do all this stuff? (laughs) And he says he doesn't like how Rojan runs the ship. So Rojan's just like, You know what? Go to your room. (laughs) Just sends him to his room like a child. Uh, Kirk and Kalinda are now kissing. And she says that Rojan has forbidden her from seeing him. And Kirk's like, Well, why are you defying Rojan? And she says that she was told to find out everything that he could about the humans. So he asks, He's like, How's the research going? And she says that she needs more experiments. And then they just go back to make it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Spock enters the bridge and Rojan's like, hey, what are you doing here? Spock explains that the sensors and the other devices require monitoring and periodic adjustment. So Rojan's like, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and continue th- doing that. But uh, he asks Spock if he's seen Kirk anywhere. And Spock is like, well, I could call him. But Rojan's like, oh, that's fine. I was just kind of wondering where he was. And Spock says that he left Kirk in the recreational room with Kalinda and she seemed anxious to talk to him. So Rojan says that he told Kalinda to stay away from Kirk and Spock's like, well, it appears that you have little control over her or maybe Kirk has more.
2: Well, (laughs) well played, Spock. Like he he just knew to go there to
1: to stir him up. Yeah, get get
0: him worked up. So Rojan gets mad and he goes to the turbo lift. And I don't know why you would ever take a turbo lift if you can teleport, but whatever. They never do that again. Uh Scotty and Tamar are still drinking. And Tamar he's like, I feel rather strange. And then he just passes out. So he finally hit his limit, which happens to be everything Scotty has. And Scotty, uh, he very proudly walks over to Tamar and he takes the device off of Tamar's belt and he goes to take it to Kirk, but as soon as he gets to the door, he also passes out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he's like gonna have he a grabs hell the of a hangover.
1: And, and kisses it.
0: Yeah, he talks
1: about like, oh, we did it. We did it
0: together. We can do it. And he just falls over. Yeah, he's going to have a hell of a hangover. I
2: I would like to think Scotty just made a best friend.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what I wanted out of this episode is for those two to just become best friends. (laughs) Uh, So Kirk and Kalinda are still making out as Rojan storms in and tells her that he said to avoid Kirk and she says that she doesn't want to. So uh, he argues that he's her commander and Kirk's like, well, that's not enough. So Rojan says that Kirk corrupted her and turned her away. He's like, "You've turned her against me." And then Obi Wan's you dur- <laughs> like, "You've done that yourself." <laughs> I was gonna say, "Your Ch- chose me," but I like your I like your reference better. <laughs> you turned her against me. Uh, so Kirk uh, actually Rojan is trying to bring peace, justice, and security to his new empire. <laughs> uh, I mean, and it, it is very it, it, it's not very Mustafari, but I, no. I get it. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, Kirk argues that uh, it isn't his problem if Rojan can't keep her, and she's just standing here this whole time. Just, I feel like she would be like, uh, "Guys, like, I'm, I'm right here." Like, <laughs> but uh, Rojan, uh, he gets mad and he grabs Kirk and pulls him away from Colinda. So Kirk smacks him twice, just a slap in the <laughs> and then uh, a backhand. They start to fight, and Rojan is winning the fight. And uh, pretty cool fight scene. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, thanks to you now I pay attention and see the the stunt doubles instead of just seeing Kirk. Usually I'm just kind of watching the action or if they're talking during it, the, reading the subtitles so I like kind of see the people in my peripheral vision and it doesn't really matter, but now I notice that it's definitely uh, not, I not Shatner. I, I, I
1: notice it I notice it because I just wanna like as being like a stunt a stunt nerd and like watching a lot of movies, I always watch because I know like Kanye Reeves does a lot of his own stunts. So when it comes to people doing their own stunts, I always try to recognize because... Right, I like I like stunt people, so
0: yeah. Um, but Rojan is winning the beginning of this of this fight, and Kirk is like, "Oh, why don't you use a paralyzer?" So like he's just trash talking him during the fight, and they keep yeah. fighting, and Kirk gets like tossed over a table, and then he gets in his like signature kick, like the drop kick is Kirk's signature move. Like that's, yep. he he always goes to the drop kick. He, he was a big fan of the WWF. Yeah, loved it. Definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, he, he drop kicks him, and then he manages to pin Rojan against the table. And he's just kind of like talking trash to him from behind him. And he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, you, uh, Rojan thought that he was taking his woman away from him. And Kirk says that Rojan uh, is jealous and that he's trying to kill him with his bare hands. And he's like, Oh, would a Kelvin do that? And he asks Ro, if Rojan, uh, is reacting with emotions because of a, a human or he, he says that he's like, yeah, you're reacting with emotions because like you're a human, basically like you're a human now. And Rojan gets really mad and he throws Kirk off and, mccoy and spock walk in and like catch him as like he was getting thrown towards the door and kirk's like oh yeah i'm stimulating rojan I'm stimulating <laughs> so, what a online. so then they throw him back into the fight <laughs> like all right well like get back in there <laughs> do your thing man yeah so they fight a little bit more and kirk just continues taunting rojan about his human form and tells him to look at what's happening to him now and uh, he asks what's going to happen to him in three centuries and he's he says that the people on the ship are going to be human when they get to Kelva, and that they're going to be aliens, and that they'll be the enemies of the Kelvins. So uh, Kirk then gets Rojak in like a headlock, or Rojan in a headlock, and Rojan argues that they have a duty to accomplish their mission any way they can. And uh, Kirk really brings up a good point here. And he says that Rojan's mission is to find new worlds for his people to live on, and that he can still do that. And then he like offers uh, to bring them to the Federation, and he says that there are many planets that the in the galaxy that can be inhabited. Uh, so Rojan stops fighting, and uh, he asks Kirk. He's like, "Well, can you really do that? Like, first of all, that was offered when you guys first met, so I don't understand why, like why you're considering no, it now." No, no, he
1: didn't say can you. He said would you. Yeah, he didn't
0: say can he yeah. Said, would he's, you. He's, really yeah, he's like,
1: he's, he's, yeah, he's like, would you really do like, that? Like, would you really do that after all after everything we've done? Like, you would you really? It, like, would you really do that still?
0: Yeah, he's like, hey, Kirk's
1: like, I'm a good guy. Hell yeah, I would, man.
0: Yeah, he asks if uh, the Federation would extend welcome to invaders. And Kirk says that they would extend a welcome to friends. And uh, it's actually Spock here that makes a really good point. And he tells Rojan that he's only a link in a chain following an order given 300 years ago. And this is an opportunity yeah. to establish a destiny of his own. Which like, yeah, man, like you're. Following an order of some guy you you never met and most of your ancestors never met, like for a a people that really doesn't mean anything to you anymore.
1: This stole. I swear this came. Somebody stole this idea from something I seen. I can't remember what I watched, but I remember something like somebody was like thousands of generations ahead and they were still following some kind of order to get somewhere for some reason. Man, I wish I remember what
0: that was. Yeah, it's kind of a classic trope now.
1: Yeah, classic trope. Yeah, classic trope now. But I wonder if it's like one of the original tropes at the time.
0: Yeah, it's but uh. Rojan relents, and he says that uh, maybe they could do that. And Spock says that a robot ship could be sent to Kelva with a Federation proposal. And Rojan wonders how they could find a place if they retain their human form. And uh, McCoy thinks that, well, maybe the planet they were already on is pretty nice. So Rojan asks Kalinda, she's like, well, he's like, I, I'm sure you would want to stay with Kirk. And she says that Kirk is most interesting, but she really wants to stay with Rojan. And she owes him an apology. And then she kisses him and uh, says that it's most pleasurable. And uh, he obviously likes it as well. So, so that's the way
1: they're going to apologize on this planet for now one kisses? Yep.
0: Yes. Just make so it yeah. out.
1: <laughs> That's the way they apologize now. So so I, I, as a man, I got to wake up and kiss my brother. Oh, so, I'm sorry, bro. Want, like, <laughs> <Just make laughs> gotta, this ain't working. This ain't working, man. <laughs> your apology. Cool. I said your apology, bro. Back up. <laughs> <Like,
0: laughs> <laughs> We're doing kissing. Apologize. Oh, man. Like, can you apologize a little lower? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh if, if,
2: if Kirk had a chance, he could have introduced that to her. He, if I'm sure he would walk in. Yes.
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: she's uh, a. Ap- oh my gosh, no.
0: <laughs> no, uh, but Kirk says that uh, a human does have certain advantages in being able to appreciate the beauty of a flower or a woman. So, Rojan calls Drea on the bridge, and he's like, I'm sorry we forgot about you this entire time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I am now returning the ship to Captain Kirk, and that uh, you are to follow his orders. And so, Kirk just commands her to turn the ship around, and that's the end of the episode, and we can safely assume that they're going to fix all of the people on the ship.
1: The the titles in this one they came while the scene was still going to at the end. Um, Bones and Kirk uh, Spock were talking, and then the titles the titles came up while they're still talking, like with a little scene with each other. It, it didn't like freeze and go. I didn't
0: even notice that. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Paul. Do you want to start us out on this one? Oh, I get the beginning one. Uh, You're it.
1: Honestly, this episode was like amazing to me. Like it was fun. It was drama. It was a lot of laughing. It was weird. Like it was it was weird that the episode like it was so it was so dramatic and we thought it was gonna go one way and then when they got to the whole um notice they were human they had human tendencies it went far, became like funny all of a sudden and it was very it, it did it very it did it very clever in a clever way where i i didn't think it wasn't that jarring to me until i thought about it i was like man why am i laughing so hard now like it was serious the first when it really went left uh, right excuse me um i liked it a lot like I like the costume design. I like the beautiful women. I like the women design the clothes. I like Drea the most. I don't know where she where she was at the whole episode, but you know, um, I also saw that um, Vulcans lived two hundred years, and sometimes they live up to three hundred, by the way. So
0: oh okay, so yeah, he likely so, would not survive that journey.
1: Yeah, I probably doesn't my voice today. I couldn't on you guys all day. Hope I wasn't too bad for you guys, but yeah, uh, episode was good. I mean, I was kind of. I don't have anything. I had no bad things to really say about the episode. Like nothing bad. Like I thought it was really good. When I watch it again, Yeah, definitely. Like I was surprised it isn't on the central list, and I think that's just because like it's it's very very good. Like I have no complaints. Like very rarely do I have like like no complaints. One episode where like this whole season's been amazing, but um yeah. I mean the Scotty the Scotty the alcohol Scotty thing. Just man. After two, after almost a se- almost two seasons, we finally got our moment. So, yeah, <laughs> not was, even uh, knowing that was
2: gonna happen. Not even doing,
1: yeah, not even knowing it was gonna happen. Like, I just all that build up, and finally to the moment we get Scotty being being the what well, we thought Scotty and Honeypot Kirk. Like, I run a joke
0: with Kirk being always with women. Check, uh, Scotty alcohol. Check. I just <laughs> the only thing we were missing was shirtless Kirk, and I feel like we were a few scenes away from getting that. <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, like what a, what a very clever. A uh,
0: real put together episode, like I said,
1: not not ten to ten, like nine point five. I mean, I, I can't I, I can't miss say it. it was perfect, perfect, but I mean, I have no complaints. It's just very well very very good episode. so
0: yeah, gonna um, watch it. I'm gonna say that my only actual complaint, like, yeah, we make fun of it, you know, it's just kind of what we do here. Uh, that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. My only actual complaint is again, it's the same uh, issue that a lot of the episodes in this series have is that it ended too quickly, like the resolution came just kind of out of nowhere, and I feel like they really wrote themselves into a corner, and I was not satisfied with the end of this, because it was literally just, hey, look, we could take this to the Federation, like we can help you out, and suddenly, like the proposal that he gave earlier that was not good enough is now suddenly okay. So I don't know, I just, the ending wasn't very like satisfactory for me, but it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the overall episodes. So I I would definitely watch this again, and I I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I disagree
1: with your ending part, by the way. When you said that, like um, the ending was the same, because I think by at the end the human emotions started rising up. So 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 that would change the perception of the of the what was offered to him earlier. Because at first, what was offered to him earlier, they were he was thinking as a Kelvin. Like really, but when Arvin him later, he realized that he had more human emotion, and therefore the same, the same offer might have different, um, different idea now that he's in, t- in touch with his human emotions. Yeah, but they didn't really no, convey that.
0: Like, and, and I get that, and that's that's what it is. But like, it wasn't really like conveyed that he like he didn't go. You know what? I now that I am you know feeling and experiencing all this stuff, then you know maybe I do want to. Join you, you guys. I have to peaceful. hear him say
1: that you're smart enough to know that by the fight he's just about to beat up Kurt over this female. That's something that Kevin would never do. So like, you, you,
0: like they you, you don't have to explain everything to you. Like well, they, no, they, but they, I f- they leave. A, I feel like in a series they where, a where they do explain you. everything, that maybe it would have been helpful. But I think it's just it's again it's just the issue where. They fill out the episode so much that they forget to leave time for the ending, and they don't ever properly flesh out their endings. Like it's very rare that they give you like a full, complete ending to everything. It's just it's always very abrupt, and that's more my issue. This should be a part
1: two, maybe like a part two, where they go to Federation and complete the storyline.
0: Yeah, or just like cut out something in the middle. Like we didn't need so many scenes of like Kirk making out with his chick, right? Oh, no, no, we I couldn't. It. That out. We need <laughs> Honey Kurt. That's but that, that, well, that like belongs, you, sir. you get you get it from like one no, or two. we, don't we didn't get need it. to go no, back to like a third and fourth no, time. No, don't cut out Honeypot, Pot Kurt. Don't do that like to the, us. The beginning. It's usually pretty good. They drag on in the middle and then their end is always short. And that's just probably always going to be my complaint for the series because very like I think that the episodes that we do consider uh, essential are ones that do give time to the ending. And they do like properly close out an episode, whereas this one is just like, OK, we had a fight. Here's this plan. Like, here's this deal. And he's like, OK, I'm going to take this deal. <laughs> like, you got me to choke hold nothing much that, that I can do here. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but that's just like I said, it does not take away from my enjoyment of the episode at all. I did enjoy the episode quite a bit, and I want to, uh, Tamar and uh, Scotty to be best friends and just go out, <laughs> out for drinks sometimes. <laughs> Dan,
2: yeah, uh, dude, this is by far my favorite episode. I, from start to finish, absolutely loved it. Uh, have no complaints about it. Uh, and we've had a lot of good episodes this season, but I just feel like this episode is just far and, ab- uh, and above uh, what uh, what's, count- what's come before it in terms of how I enjoyed the episode. Like, I just I thought it was like perfect episode. Honestly,
0: man, season Dude, that, three is really going to have to
2: live
1: up to Dude, some, some high saying, expectations, man. and I feel like, like it doesn't. I feel one, like that's why it was canceled. Yeah, like season one came in and like. When we got to the Carbonite Maneuver, I remember that. For them when I watched that episode, I was like, oh, man, this was a very, very good episode. And for that moment, like, I've been comparing episodes to that. I was like, okay, then, they give it, then every couple of episodes, we get a good one, and a good one, a good one, a couple of episodes. But this season two has been like, yeah, it's- boom, 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 boom. It's like, man, all these are like 9, 10, 9, 10, 9, 10, 9, 10. Like, very rarely do we get, like, a really bad episode. Yeah. Like, we get ones that are like, a, like, I think we got, like, one this season. We I wanted one or two have been all right. But the rest have been like either. And I don't like even feel like that was amazing. a terrible
0: episode. I think it's just because it's surrounded by such good don't episodes. You go
1: that's, that's what I said yeah. before. I'm like, it's surrounded yeah. by so, some of so amazing. It's like, oh, that was just good. And it's like we're judging at different levels. You know, when you yeah. like, you know, when it's just being kind of picky, like a, randomly, like the Godfather movies, where people say Godfather three isn't that great, but it, but it's amazing. Unfortunately, Godfather one and two came before it. So like when you compare something that's you Know the beginning, it's like, Oh man, this is good, that's good, but it's great. Like, it's just a comparison of things, so yeah, I mean, nitpicky. I think this the whole season's been good to me. I mean, man, what's good episodes? i mean, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really glad I'm watching this I, with I, you guys.
2: I would say this is one of the better episodes I've seen, just in general, that I've, of stuff that I've watched recently.
1: Oh, okay, by, by far, that's by far. only get not, I only give a nine and a half because I'm like, it can't, like, I have a habit of being a person of the moment. And I'll be like, oh, this is the best episode ever. And then I, have to, I keep repeating myself, you know? So, like, I would have to, like, <laughs> I'd have to, like, get a yeah, bunch of room episodes. For the other ones. So, you <laughs> want to leave a little bit of wiggle yeah. room just in case
2: a better episode comes. Yeah,
1: it's like, I, I know this was really great. But I'm like, okay, I got to give myself room. But, like, okay. And I, and I got to start keeping track of them on paper. That way I can write down all the good episodes and do, like, a ranking at the end of the season. And be like, yeah, okay, these this top five episodes, et cetera. Because
0: I feel like I say episodes are so good this season that it's really hard for me to really be uh critical. Well, I think we have like four or five left and then we'll do our end of the season wrap up. So you're gonna have to at least start digging through those and figure out which which know. one you like the most and the least. I, I know. Oh the um, least is
1: gonna be I think the least might be easier than the most. The yeah. most I'm gonna be debating with myself, but the least yeah, will be, sure. be well, Right
2: now this is my number one. And it kind of helps out a little bit that our fan fiction of Scotty became
0: true. <laughs> can't, yeah, can't. Bro, that, right? that was so
1: cool. That was so cool man. It finally yeah. paid off
0: all right, well, speaking of episodes, uh, the next one that we're going to cover is obviously Season 2, Episode 23, and that is The Omega Glory. The Enterprise
1: finds a planet devastated by disease that appears to treat the American flag with great reverence.
0: That's weird. Yeah. Uh, okay. That would be an so, interesting I one I mean, it sure. sounds
1: unique. The little imagery of the picture sounds pretty cool. So, All right. hey, we'll, well, honestly, at this point, the, the little design doesn't matter anymore because they're coming out so good. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole the whole beginning they know me nothing but
0: all right well uh, as always thank you guys for listening and again uh, Twitter at wwst underscore podcast and uh thank you guys and I'll catch you on the next one
2: later, later.